Welcome in to the Superflex Super Show. I am James the Brain, joined by the good Dr. Ethan Turner at eTurnerFF underscore PT on Twitter. Ethan, we are going to kind of pick up where you left off. You and John, the, the last episode that I believe you recorded, you guys were talking about rookies and kind of their... Who, what what type of player they are, their rich man, their poor man comp, kind of who you can get in that, that area um, if you're unable to get that player, who you can maybe trade, um, you know, to, to, to acquire that pick that would, uh, that, that would uh, result in that player or, um, you know, kind of a, a rich man comp, a, a guy who we really feel like, you know, this guy could turn into this type of player if everything works out well. So uh, we're, we're going to kind of pick up there. And uh, Ethan, I'm going to hand it over to you. Why don't you tell us the first guy that you want to talk about here? Yeah, yeah. I think that we should preface that this is a uh, this we got a lot of good feedback from that episode last week that that me and John did. And so we're still tweaking this formula a little bit. Um, this one is not quite the same as what we did last time. We talked a lot more about ADPs. Um, we talked a lot uh, when we're still going to do that, but this is something that we really, I really feel like uh, people got a lot of, uh, of, of, of good things out of. And so uh, we're, we're switching up a little bit because I do think we, we should get more of these player comps in because everybody loves a good player comp, right? Um, with these rookies. But I also think we're still going to kind of try to tie in some of that ADP um, where they're going, not only in rookie drafts, but also where these these rookies are going. Uh, if you put them into the player pool and they are taken in startup startup drafts, so we've got um, we've got DLF's uh, Superflex ADP up um, with the players, the rookies actually put into the player pool um, as well. So we'll be referencing that a few times as well. Um, but the first guy I think I want to talk about, um, and and you and I have talked a few times about this player specifically. Um, is LaVisca Chenault. And so right now, LaVisca Chenault um, in rookie mock drafts and rookie drafts is going uh, around the middle of the second round, usually between picks 206 and 210, somewhere around that range. Um, in the startup ADP, when you put him in with all the other players, he went in the 13th round, second pick of the 13th round. So that's kind of giving everyone an idea um, of where LaVisca Chenault is being valued at uh, currently before the NFL draft. Um, but what type of player is LaVisca Chenault? So when I look at Chenault, um, I, I really see a guy that can be used a lot of different ways. And he is a very versatile prospect, which I think a lot of NFL teams are looking for nowadays. They really want this guy that can uh, kind of do it all. You know, they can take jet sweeps um, and rush out of the backfield. They can go and run plays. They can go deep. They want someone that can kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, so he really is, Chenault really is that type of player. He's, he's kind of a gadget guy. You know, he, he did have quite a few rushing attempts while he was at Colorado. So uh, we know that, you know, they really thought that he was he was that kind of player. And I think NFL teams are going to put a premium on that. Um, we saw what a guy like uh, Debo Samuel did uh, heading into the playoffs and at the end of last year. And I think NFL teams, it's a copycat league. They want to find guys that can do unique things. And I think that that is Chenault's biggest uh, advantage going into the draft. Um, obviously disadvantage is the fact that he has been hurt. Um, he does have a little bit of an injury history. Um, I do think that that affected his combine. So we didn't really get to see like peak athleticism from him. Um, but to me, you know, if you're looking at player comps, uh, kind of to me, Chanel is, uh, 
a rich man's Cordero Patterson. Um, you know, kind of a bigger, thicker guy. I think he's about 6'1", 220, between 220 and 230. So he's a pretty thick, thick guy, but uh, a pretty good athlete. Obviously, everyone's going to look at the combine numbers. And and I, t- I told everyone that listens to this show, at least, you can't really count that. He was, he was trying to do that combine hurt. And it came out later that he was hurt. And so to me, those numbers are not indicative of his actual athleticism. Um, so to me, player wise, uh, Cordero Patterson is kind of a, um, uh, you know, bottom of bottom end. This is a guy that, you know, compares somewhat favorably. Um, obviously top end, you're looking at a guy like Debo Samuel, um, somebody that can be used kind of throughout the offense, that can be used on those jet sweeps, that can be used in the slot, can play out slot outside. You know, somebody that you can really move around and be a chess piece on offense wherever you need him, um, and can be dynamic with the ball in his hands. And so, you know, right now we talked about those ADPs. Uh, he's going kind of mid to late second round um, of rookie drafts, and so um, in the startup draft that. You know, basically included him in with the player pool. He, he's going in the 13th round. Uh, Robbie Anderson, Alexander Madison are two guys that went before him. Two guys that went after him were both tight ends. So OJ Howard, Johnny Smith. So these are kind of where Chenault is being valued at um, right now in terms of if you put him into the, into the players that maybe you could trade this pick for. Um, another guy that I think, if, if I'm at least with this pick, that I'm looking at is three picks after Chanel, uh, Will Fuller actually goes off the board. And so Chanel currently, according to this March, um, you know, the March mock drafts that we've done is going before Will Fuller. And so, especially with the news with Brandon cooks being traded to the Texans, uh, this is a time where I think you should go out and try to acquire Will Fuller. If you can get him for a mid second, maybe a second and a third next year, um, that's a gamble that I'm willing to take because we've seen Will Fuller produce at a very high level in the NFL. Um, and it, it's clear to me, at least, that you know he's kind of getting his value depressed. He's got some injury issues on his own, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point this offseason. But, but to me, you know, the upside of Will Fuller is the number one wide receiver for the Texans. And I think that's a position that you know, if, if you can trade a second now and a third next year, or maybe even two seconds, I don't know, two seconds, I think is still a little bit rich, but a second and a third, I'd be jumping on Will Fuller all day for those picks. Um, a few other guys that I like that are kind of going later that maybe you could, um, trade this pick and get, you know, a little bit of uh, a player and a little bit of value on top. Um, Paris Campbell is a guy that, you know, still young, uh, is kind of a gadget player similar to what Chenault is. He's going in the 14th round, so almost a, 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 over a full round after uh, Chenault. And so if you could turn Paris Campbell and a third, um, if you could trade this pick for Paris Campbell and a third, you know, I really feel like that's something that I would, I personally would consider. Um, just because I think that's, again, good value. You're still getting a young wide receiver that has a lot of uh, dynamic traits. But you're also, you know, maximizing the value that this pick could give you. So those are some of the guys that you know I'd be kind of looking at if I was trying to trade this pick. Um, I would definitely be considering all those dudes I just mentioned, um, and definitely be reaching out to the guy who owns Will Fuller um, and even Paris Campbell if that's a player that you really liked last year. Um, those are guys that are going after Chenault in these startup drafts, and so um, definitely look to try to maximize that pick if those are names that really kind of catch your eye. 
I love that. That was a great breakdown by you, Ethan. I think, uh, you know, again, you know, the ceiling for a guy like Chanel being Debo Samuel, I think we saw, uh, you know, how, how important it is to NFL teams to utilize a guy like that, to get the ball in his hand, no matter um, how they have to do it. So uh, that's that's a really interesting comp and a, and, and a good one. I kind of like that. Um, kind of like that comp and how NFL teams are going to look to utilize LaVisca Chenault. So, uh, well done by you, sir. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about a player that's caught my eye and that's Donovan people Jones. Uh, Donovan people Jones is a, he, he's a very athletic. He's got a, he's a nice speed burst combination. Um, could be used as a burner, could be used in several different ways. Um, he, he athletically, he has this, this upside. However, he, he just never broke out. Um, in Michigan, um, a lot of people will blame the quarterback, and I think there is some blame that needs to go around. But Donovan People Jones just didn't do a good job of uh, of, of making himself, you know, uh, you know, the focal point of that offense. So, uh, you know, that that's that's going to be where where he's going to fall is that you didn't really see that high level of production. Um, so I think a, a rich man's comp, a guy who I think that um, you know compares to him. Um, a, a little bit um, that you could get cheaper. Uh, a guy like Demarcus Robinson is a guy who I, I would compare him to uh, over for Kansas City. Just signed a one-year deal to stay in Kansas City, and uh, they're they're very similar types of players. They can do a lot with the ball in their hands. They can be used as a burner. Um, they really didn't live up to their hype um, in college. Neither one really produced very well. Um, but these are guys that have that high level of athleticism that can do a whole lot in the right situation. They just have to kind of break out my poor man's comp form is I think he is a poor man's Terry McLaurin and you know size wise they they're very similar um, and neither really produced very well in college, but you can see the potential with both of them on film. Uh, Donovan People Jones is a guy that when you watch film, you see these these flashes of, of, of you know, this elite athleticism, this elite playmaking ability. He has it in him. It's just not consistently there, and it needs to be. So um, that's that's kind of the, the role of the dice you're taking with Donovan People Jones is can he consistently be that top-end player um, that he shows flashes? Of. So um, going to the AT- ADP, uh, I think it's very interesting when you look at Donovan Peoples-Jones. He went in the 17th round, the sixth pick of the 17th round. Um, it equated to rookie pick 3.04. Um, so he's going in the, the early to mid third range, I would say closer to the early third round range um, in uh, rookie uh, ADP. And his ADP, again, the startup was at the 17th round, uh, middle of the 17th round. Guys that were going in that area... Um, um, Cole Beasley and Marvin Jones are two guys that went just ahead of Donovan People Jones. Um, guys that went behind them were guys like Hunter, uh, uh, Hayden Hurst, rather, uh, Peyton Barber, Bryce Love, Gerald Everett, um, Randall Cobb, JJ Arcega, Whiteside went a full round later. Um, so some of the guys, if I if I'm not sold on Donovan People Jones, if that's not a risk I'm willing to take, um, and and I'm looking to deal this pick, a guy who I might be looking at. Uh, first off is Hayden Hurst. Uh, I think his situation has changed enough to where he'll probably be climbing up ADP. So um, 
I would say that you know maybe this you, you know you might have to add a little something um, to a to a mid to early third pick to get Hayden Hurst. Um, but but it's a guy who uh, who is right now going in that range. It's a guy I'd look at. You know, a guy who his situation has changed. He looks like he's going to be starting tight end in Atlanta. Um, that offense looks to utilize that position a little bit. So um, I do like that. But another guy that I I like is going a full round later, and that's JJ Arcega Whiteside. Um, I do believe after you know. A, a rookie year where he didn't really get a whole lot of opportunity that his second year, um, you know, with that coaching staff and in that offense is just going to help him. Um, he's a guy that can be had. I mean, you, you might be able to, you know, deal this uh, in early third for our Sega white side. And, you know, depending on how many rounds your draft has a fourth, you know, or something like that, um, because he's going a full round later, you might be able to get something on top of it, or maybe even a third next year too. Um, something along those lines. So um, I would look at acquiring a guy like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Again, you know, at this point of the draft in, in startups, you're looking to kind of roll the dice. And if if, uh, if I'm looking to roll the dice and um, I'm not sold on Donovan Peoples-Jones or I don't want to add a rookie, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside's a guy who, I mean, look, Philadelphia is going to probably draft a wide receiver, but even if they do so, that doesn't mean Arcega Whiteside doesn't have uh, a, a clear path to some playing time. There's not a lot of eagle wide receivers that are there. Um, Elshon Jeffrey's still there, but he's coming back from a severe injury again, and uh, they don't really have a whole lot else there at that position to beat out, so um, that's a guy, a high upside guy that's going later, that if you're not willing to take the uh, the, the risk on Donovan People-Jones, um, Arcega Whiteside might be a guy that uh, that I take a look at at least here. Ethan. I like that. I really do. Um, definitely. Um, man, people's Jones is, he's a tough one for me because I, I shy away from guys that don't seem to put it together in college. If you can't put it together in college, I really question if you can put it together in the NFL, even if you are an absolute freak and people's Jones is, I mean, he is an athletic freak. He is, he's big, he's strong, he's fast. I mean, there's no reason why this guy shouldn't be able to produce. He should have been dominating college football, Uh, bad quarterback, no quarterback. I mean, I really worry that he doesn't, even if, even though he has the body of an alpha dog that maybe he doesn't demand the ball like an alpha dog and that concerns me heading into the nfl um another guy that i you know we talked about i love the hayden hurst call this is a bad draft class if you need a tight end that's going to produce immediately this is the kind of pick this early third if i could turn this early third into a tight end um you know a guy like will disley a guy like uh, you mentioned Hayden Hurst. Maybe you have to pay a little bit more for Hayden Hurst now, uh, but he's someone that I'm buying for sure, especially if I need a tight end. You're not going to get a high-quality tight end most likely from this draft. They're just The prospects are not as clean as what some of the prospects have been the last two or three years um, at that position specifically. But one guy I do like, that goes that went a little bit before, right before actually, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones is Marvin Jones, and so um, don't think they're related. But um, if I'm a team that's competing, uh, Marvin Jones is a guy that I might look to target. Um, I know that he's probably going to. Uh, I think that last year we pretty much saw that he is taking a little bit of a step back. Um, Kenny Galladay is kind of emerging as that alpha dog in that wide receiver core, but Marvin Jones has got a job, and he has a, a you know a a he's in a spot where I don't think they're going to add a wide receiver that's going to supplant him. 
Um, you know, Danny Amendola is not going to supplant what Marvin Jones is doing. And so if you're competing and you want to try to think of a way to turn this third into somebody that maybe can get you, um, you know, a solid wide receiver three, you know, for bye weeks or, or whatever you want to use. And you're thinking, man, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to see a producer here in this rookie class at this spot. Marvin Jones is a guy that I would definitely be willing to trade an early third for if I needed that type of player on my team. So I definitely love that. Um, you know, what do you think about people's Jones and just his inability, I guess, to be an alpha dog? I mean, does that worry you at all? Yeah, yeah, it's troubling, Ethan. It really is. I, I guess the uh, the one thing I will say is he, he did deal with some poor quarterback play throughout his tenure there at Michigan. Um, O'Corn and, and then Shea Patterson, you know, really did him no favors. However, uh, even that being the case, you know, we've seen a lot of elite wide receivers uh, put up good numbers in college with some poor quarterback play. So it's still concerning to me. Um, I do think that, you, you know, again, when you watch the film, you see flashes of why he, he can be so good. Really, the consistency is going to be key. Can an NFL team get that consistently out of him? Again, we saw it at the Combine, though. I mean, the guy is, you know, as far as athletic, you know, workout numbers go, I mean, he's got everything that you look for in that regard. It just doesn't seem to translate on the field. And, and you know, you start asking why. And so you it's definitely a concern for me, but I think that's baked into his ADP. If, if he, you know, performed well in college, this is a guy who'd be going, you know, maybe end of the first, early second. Now that he's going early third, I think this is the kind of guy that, you know, at that point of a rookie draft or in the 17th round of a startup, that's when I'm starting to look for these high upside guys. So I think this is right about where he should be going. Um, and again, yeah, it's definitely a concern, but it's it's. Uh, I think that's baked into his ADP at this point, Ethan. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think the value is right for the potential. Um, you know, this is a guy that. I mean, to me, if you really loved DK Metcalf, there's no reason why you shouldn't like Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, he really – I know that Metcalf is a was a better prospect. He was an even more of a freak athlete. Um, but Peoples-Jones, for the price right now, for uh, I think could have a similar upside if you can unlock that potential, unlock that athleticism at the NFL level as what you're getting from a guy like DK Metcalf. So um, I definitely like your comparison there. Uh, Demarcus Robinson was one that, man, that was like that. You just hit that right on the head. But um, we're going to move to our next guy here, and that's Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, Keyshawn Vaughn is a guy that I, I think pretty much universally is is accepted as like pretty good running back that's not really he, he's not really ever talked about as that like top tier running back in this class but I've never seen anyone kind of really sour on him either you know um, I think he's going to go in rookie draft ADP he's going to probably go at beginning of the second round to like middle of the second round in most rookie drafts um, as long as he has the draft capital obviously um, but that's where we're seeing him in mocks right now um, you know to me as a player, you know, very prototypical what you're kind of looking for. Um, prototypical size is 5'10", 215, you know, kind of an older prospect because he transferred. Uh, of course, he went to Illinois, which is where I'm from, uh, for two years, played really well as a true freshman. And then for whatever reason, we decided that we'd just let him transfer. Um, so he took a year off. So he's really, you know, gone in college for five years. So he is a little bit older. Um, and while he's not like overly explosive and you know, he ran a he still ran a four five one forty which is definitely quick enough for enough to play at the nfl level 
Um, so even though he's a little bit older, uh, he, he's got the tools, you know, he, he was also a solid pass catcher, which is something that I think NFL teams and fantasy players, obviously putting a real premium right now on as people running backs, especially that can catch balls out of the backfield because it can give them that three down roll. Even though I think the NFL is moving away from true bell cows, you want a guy like a Vaughn that you know, has the, the size to, to hold up on first and second down, but also has that pass catching ability as well. Um, to me, you know, player comps, obviously, uh, um, you know, this is kind of what you're looking for. This size and production wise, very similar to some really good running backs out there. Um, but to me, he, he seems like kind of a a rich man's, uh, chase Edmonds, you know, Edmonds again, you know, solid back, uh, able to catch passes, hasn't really kind of broken out too much just because of the the addition of Kenyon Drake, but uh, really just a solid player that, you know, could at one point did carve out a role in, in an offense as a backup that was able to do much more when he was asked to be a starter. Um, so, so I think Chase Edmonds is kind of his floor here. Um, and I don't love this comp, but from a size and production standpoint, it's actually amazing how closely Keyshawn Vaughn kind of resembles Dalvin Cook. And I'm not saying that he's Dalvin Cook. He's not going to be as good as Dalvin Cook. So if you're if you're sitting on your couch or you're sitting in your car and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this guy thinks Keyshawn Vaughn's Dalvin Cook. Uh, maybe he's not really the guy we should be listening to. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying from a production standpoint, from a size standpoint, from a, a trait standpoint, he reminds me a little bit of Dalvin Cook. And so um, obviously not saying that you should treat him that as such Dalvin cook was still a much better prospect. Um, Dalvin cook did not play at Vanderbilt. So, uh, <laughs> not saying that, but, um, size and, and speed wise, he does compare, uh, pretty favorably to Dalvin cook. Um, so if you're looking at, if you're looking at, uh, where he's going in startups, Keyshawn Vaughn, that is, um, let me find him here. Now I'm like lost. Um, so he's going in the, at the end of the 11th round. So 12th pick of the 11th round, um, a couple guys going before him. Sony Michelle went three picks before him. Um, golden Tate is at, uh, two picks before him, Preston Williams. And then on the backside there, you got John Brown, um, a pick after him. And then you got Devonte Freeman, Tariq Cohen, kind of uh, a few picks after that. And so that's kind of where Vaughn is going right now. He's going at the two Oh six. Um, so again, kind of, I've seen him anywhere from the beginning of the second to mid second. So I think that's probably where he's still going to end up. Um, and the, the way that I look at this from a value perspective, at least, um, you know, I'm looking at a guy like Sony Michelle, uh, a few picks before him, you know, regardless of what I personally think, I don't, I never really trusted Sony Michelle to be what he was, uh, predicted to be coming out of, co- out of college. Um, but Sony Michelle, Michelle still has some value, especially in the next two years, um, as a running back for a team that looks like they're preparing to run the ball a little bit more than maybe they have in the past. Um, other players that are kind of around this range uh, that I, I would be willing to kind of part with this pick with uh, or for Ronald Jones is, you know, also went in the 11th round. He went at the third pick of the 11th round. I would be willing, especially, um, especially if Jones 
doesn't get any competition, I think he will. But if he doesn't, um, you know, Jones is a guy that early second, I would be making that trade all day, maybe early second, and you throw in a third or you throw in a fourth next year. Um, you know, those are those are guys that I'd be kind of targeting. Um, if it if I do like a Keyshawn Vaughn, um, other guys, you know, David Johnson went almost a full round after him. They traded DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, the the Texans obviously see something in David Johnson. Um, you know, so that's maybe a guy that if you're competing, especially, he would be a guy that maybe I'm looking at to see if I can't move this pick for. Um, if I really like a Keyshawn Vaughn, and if I need production like immediately, um, you know, David Johnson's a guy. I mean, why not take a shot at him for an early second? It just seems like that makes a lot of sense. So, um, I mean, what do you think, James? What um, yeah, do you I, like the comp? I know that anytime you bring up Dalvin Cook's name, somebody is going to be upset. But I mean, if you dig, the more you dig into the numbers, I mean, really is comparable. Yeah, I could tell you right now, as far as the uh, the uh, you know value goes, I I had David Johnson circled as a guy to target. You know, if you're trying to win now, like you stated, I mean that they're going to run that guy into the ground. Bill O'Brien's going to prove a point. I did think what was interesting was, and a guy that we're not going to, it's not on our list to talk about today, but it, Keyshawn Vaughn went two spots ahead of Zach Moss. And I, I was shocked at that. I thought that, that was uh, surprising because a lot of people are, I mean, Zach Moss is polarizing. There are some people who really like him and some people who don't. But uh, I, I was under the impression that Zach Moss was, was going ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn. So that opened my eyes a little bit there um, as far as that goes. Uh, the, the comparison, the comp, um, you know, I know, you know, you said it several times that you think Keyshawn Vaughn is the next Alvin Cook. And, uh, and I think that's I interesting. <laughs> I, I think that's interesting, say. Ethan. No, no, uh, oh, I, no yeah. you, you're right. Great. Now I we've mean, lost he... everyone who's listening to the show. They're just going to be gotta, like, okay, I'm out. Yeah, I need you to lose credibility so they start listening to me crap. here, man. This is, but, uh, this is crap. But no, I, I uh, it, it is interesting when you actually look at um, size and the numbers in, in college and, and everything. It does, it, you know, he does, they, they are comparable, you know, so. Uh, it's it's an interesting comp again um, you know that's that's hey if Keyshawn Vaughn hits and he's at his highest ceiling you might see Dalvin Cook is basically what it is but we're not saying he's Dalvin Cook and you obviously weren't either but I do think it's an interesting comp um, there uh, so yeah I mean I, I'm I'm on board again um, with kind of everything you said which which stinks because normally I like arguing with you but I, I guess I'll just uh, continue, um, you know, spreading false rumors about uh, you thinking Keyshawn Vaughn's the next Alvin Cook, and that'll that'll have to suffice this episode, Ethan. Yeah, I'm just devastated. Um, yeah, I don't have any. I don't have any rebuttal to this. I knew somebody probably Beautiful. turned this Beautiful. show off because yes. of that. Probably. Um, Good job. I, I feel Good deflated. Job. This is probably how you feel when I when I bear you into the dust. So. Uh, you know, I, I should have just, I should have just kept my mouth shut. I should have just kept my mouth shut. I so. actually, yeah, I actually got to get back at Ethan today, man. This is, today is a good day. There's some, some James Stan is like sitting in his car, just shaking his fist, just happy that I have been sh absolutely shut down. 
uh, I don't by think you, there's but... any of those. Even my family's like, man, Ethan's going to keep doing that. So, uh, so <laughs> that is not true. Let's 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 move on here. A guy I want to talk about, Ethan, is a guy that I really like, and I know you and I have talked about him a little bit, um, and 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 I know you're high on him too, and that's uh, Devin Duvernay. And look, I I am. I really like what what uh, Duvernay can do. Um, he's a, he's a fantastic player. He's he's a slot. He, you know he's going to play in the slot. He's a slot type of player. He's he's uh, he's going to make his living in the NFL game in the slot, in my opinion. Um, he's a good route runner. He's productive with the ball in his hands. Um, he's able to 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 beat you know uh, off coverage. Able to beat press coverage. Good against zone. Um, he's able to find holes in the zone. Um, so I think. It, for me with Devin Duvernay is I think he's a rich man's Kiki Kuti. I I really do. I think he can be what we all want Kiki Kuti to be or what we wanted him to be. Um, you know, last year, you know, or near before, you know, when, you know, we thought maybe this guy can be healthy. Maybe this guy can actually make, uh, uh, you know, um, make some hay out of the slot there before they traded for Kenny Stills. And just he, he wasn't able to stay healthy. He wasn't able to do that. Um, I think Duvernay can be that kind of player. I, now, again, a, another comp I have for him. And again, I'm not I am not saying that he is this player yet. Um, I don't think he's going to go come into the league and become this guy. But I think his ceiling might be a Jarvis Landry type ceiling. I could see him really succeeding in the slot um, making a lot of catches not being a uh, a huge uh, yak guy but a guy who is going to be a reliable target in the middle of the field um, that uh, that you know is going to be able to find holes in zones he's going to be able to beat man coverage he's going to to be that reliable guy that you can count on especially on third downs to move the chain so uh, Devin Duvernay to me is going to be that type of player when we look at his ADP then um, it looks like he's going uh, in the startup uh, in the 22nd round, the seventh pick of the 22nd round, um, that ended up equating to a fourth round. Uh, actually, it ended up equating to a late fourth round pick, um, uh, rookie pick. It ended up being the, uh, what was it, the 410. Um, some of the guys that were going in that area, um, Traquan Smith, Elshon Jeffrey, Miles Boykin went just after Devin Duvernay. Um, uh, Alan Lazard, uh, guys like that. So, um, you know, if if you're, you know, you, you, you're not sold on Devin Duvernay and you want to kind of move him, I mean, uh, there, there's a few guys. Alshon Jeffrey went two picks ahead of him. Look, I, I know we like to hate on Alshon Jeffrey, and I know the guy's broken down, and I know he didn't really produce last year, but we've seen what his ceiling is. He could be heading into a contract year. I know he's not happy with Philadelphia, but he's going to see opportunity. I mean, unless Philadelphia drafts five wide receivers, there's uh, he's going to see the field. Um, they really haven't done anything to address a position of need. So I think Alshon Jeffrey is going to have opportunity. And if you need something this year, uh, maybe you're willing to trade a late fourth for Alshon Jeffrey. I think that might be the way to go. Uh, some of the guys that are going later as well, um, Alan Lazard, Deshaun Jackson is a guy that if you're looking for, again, if you're looking for something this year, Deshaun Jackson is a guy who, again, you know, we know he gets hurt. He's he's banged up often, but um you know, if you're looking for something this year and you think, hey, Devin DuVernay or this, you know, whoever's around late fourth of my rookie drafts isn't going to give that to me. Maybe a guy like Deshaun Jackson is. So that's a guy, too, I think I'd keep an eye on as well. Um, 
some of the other guys I, I I'm not really seeing a whole lot that I'm intrigued with and again this is the 22nd round of uh, of startup drafts 22nd 23rd round we're talking about so these guys are all going a whole lot later but uh, I guess the only other guy that I would mention is Jalen Hurts um, he went uh what was it? Uh, I'm sorry, J1 Hurd um, went uh, to about a round, maybe a little less than a full round ahead of Devin Duvernay. So, um, you know, maybe that late fourth, you might have to throw in a little bit of something. But J1 Hurd's a guy who, you know, uh, didn't didn't play last year, was hurt, um, really didn't get an opportunity to show what he had on the field. I think that's a guy that, you know, with San Francisco's current wide receivers, um, you know, even if they draft a guy, I think Jalen Hurd's a guy who could uh, who could see the field and could uh, could produce a little bit. So, um, if you're not feeling like you want to roll the dice on Devin Duvernay, but Jalen Hurd's a guy that you want to, um, I think that's an interesting name that can be had somewhere around that position. So, um, Ethan, what are your thoughts on this? Is there anybody else that I miss that's going in that area, or what do you think of the comps? What do you think of the player Devin Duvernay uh, as a whole? I like him, Duvernay. I'll be honest. I feel like. Uh, he, he didn't produce as well throughout his, his college career. I think he was 22 when he broke out. And so, you know, pretty late breakout age for a guy. Um, but again, mostly playing out of the slot and, and he has the build that I think NFL teams like with the slot player, you know, he's a guy that he's got speed. I mean, he's got sub four, four speed. So, uh, he's quick. Um, you know, I don't think his agility drills went as well as what he probably could show. Um, to me, Duvernay is kind of still kind of a raw prospect. I mean, I felt like he really showed some flashes this last year on what he could be, what his, what his ceiling could be. And I think that that is definitely what you're looking for. Um, you know, when I'm, when I'm drafting, especially when we're talking about 22nd round of a startup draft, you know, fourth round of your rookie draft, maybe even fifth round. Ultimately, those are all dart throws. And so to me, when I'm looking at players in these rounds, especially, I want those players to at least have the athleticism that will let them hang at the NFL level. Um, do not bank on a dude <laughs> that cannot show you athleticism to be suddenly an amazing player at the NFL level. Um, you know, especially when we're talking investing any type of end of the end of the, you know, into your bench spot in dynasty. We don't have time for dudes that just can't hang athletically. Duvernay can hang athletically and he does have the profile of a guy that could be a very productive slot receiver. And so, um, you know, I, I definitely like him. I actually like him at the value. I mean, I've, he, he's a guy that, you know, if I'm sitting there with a third and I don't really like the options that I have, you know, maybe you reach out for a guy like Jalen Hurd if you like him better. Um, you know, Miles Boykin is a guy that I, I will have been known to trade up for and done at the end of dynasty drafts. If I see him sitting there and I feel like, man, you know, ultimately he's on a really good offense. Uh, he does have the athleticism. He's worth a, a shot. You know, if he continues to develop might be a guy that maybe you trade this pick for. Um, but I'm not opposed to honestly with just taking Devin, Devin Duvernay here um, at this value. I think it's a, it's a pretty good spot to have him. And so, you know, into the third, early fourth, you're looking for a dude to, to take a dart throw on. Duvernay is one that I'm, I'm definitely looking strongly at. So, yeah, Devin Duvernay is definitely the guy that I would take here as well, Ethan. I agree with you there. So, 
Um, I tell you what, you've got a couple other guys that you kind of want to discuss here. So who's the next guy that you uh, you have on the uh, on the docket? Yeah, so I got two guys here. I'm going to start with the first tight end that we've talked about with this series, and that is, and I'm going to butcher this name, but I'm going to do my best because you know I love everyone. Everyone loves when I try to butcher these names. So his name is Albert Okawugabanama. No, I screwed that up. Okawugabunam. 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 I screw that up. Okawugabunam. Albert O. Albert O is the 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 big tight end out of Missouri. Um, he is exactly what you what you saw at the combine. He only did one thing, and he did it incredibly well. He's a big, strong, athletic tight end. Um, ran a ridiculous four four nine forty. I think he weighs like almost two hundred sixty pounds. He's six five. That is. That's a big boy. Um, he has a little bit of Donovan Peoples-Jones in him in that he did not produce as well as you would have expected a dude that's this big, this athletic to produce. But he is a tight end, and tight ends, especially at schools like Missouri, they just don't they don't use their tight ends as well as some other schools do. Tight ends kind of that weird position in college where most college coaches don't really know how to like game plan for a good tight end and they don't really know how to use one when they have one. So I feel like he was a little underutilized. Um, he didn't deal with some a few injury concerns, which which may have kind of impacted uh, his coach's ability to kind of game plan for him because if you can't trust if a dude's going to be on the field, you really can't trust to put him uh, prominently into your game plan. So, um, but again, he's got the tools, man. I mean, he is a big boy and he is, he is very, very fast. And so when I'm looking at tight ends in this class, we don't have a lot of those dudes. Most of these tight ends were not crazy athletic and they certainly didn't do the stuff that Albert O was doing at the combine. Um, again, only really ran the 40. When you run that 40, you don't really have to do much else at his size. Um, Rookie ADP, he's going somewhere between the third and, uh, you know, somewhere in the third round, usually. Um, I think he went in in this draft, he went at 401. So, you know, basically somewhere from the beginning of the third to the fourth round, um, early fourth, that's where you're expecting Albert O to go in your rookie drafts. Um, and right now he's going, he's kind of sandwiched in a, between a few guys here that, you know, I'll be honest, not super impressive names, but you got Taysom Hill. Uh, right before him, um, you got Tyrell Williams, uh, two, two, three spots before him. Um, and the round before you got Emmanuel Sanders and Matt Breida, you know, right after him, you got Ryquel Armstead, um, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, and then you got a few tight ends down here later, uh, you know, Darren Fells, uh, Greg Olson, Jack Doyle, you know, nobody really jumping off the page. Um, he's going as the second pick in the 20th round in startups right now. So not the greatest um, uh, capital. You know, it's really not a ton of dudes at this stage where you're like, man, I really want to get a hold of this guy. Um, but still, um, you know, to me, Albert O is kind of a rich man's Vance McDonald. Um, uh, again, there's not that many tight ends that have this athleticism. And, you know, if he can put it together a little bit better than Vance did and and stay healthy, unlike Vance did, um, you know, he could be used. Um, he could be what we hoped that Vance McDonald would be. Uh, to me, he's kind of a, a poor man's Eric Ebron. 
Um, you know, Ebron, pretty good athlete, um, has used it to his advantage. You know, he put it together for at least one season. We'll see if he'll be able to do it again. Um, I just realized I went with two Steelers tight ends here. Um, this is not my bias. This is really who I thought uh, this guy compared to. If you're looking at trading this pick, you know, really not seeing a whole lot that I love at this stage. Um, I might reach out to see if you can turn this into Emmanuel Sanders. Um, Emmanuel Sanders went about, um, looks like about seven or eight picks before Albert O in this, this, uh, this mock draft. So, you know, it maybe you have to give a little bit more um, on top of this, you know, third, fourth round pick. Um, to get Emmanuel Sanders, you know, really like where he's at, especially on a team that's competing. Um, other guys, you know, it's he's not that far off. Um, in the 18th round, there are four tight ends that five tight ends that went. You got Gerald Everett, you got Will Disley, uh, Eric Ebron, who I mentioned, um, Tyler Eifert, and Chris Herndon. I mean, if you need a tight end. I'd be willing to trade this pick. And if you're looking at Albert O, I'd be willing to trade this pick for Eric Ebron, probably straight up. Um, Chris Herndon, maybe, um, you know, um, Will Disley, definitely. If you can get Will Disley for this pick, you know, you play up the injuries, you say, well, you don't know if he's, you know, he's got two major injuries, you know, that's a way that's an easy pitch. I think to move a third for Will Disley. I don't know if that's going to get it done, but I would try it. Um, as far as players that you could package together to move this pick to maybe move down. I mean, DD Westbrook, I don't hate Andy Isabella. Again, I don't hate, there's just not a ton of guys that I'm just like in love with at this stage in the draft, which is usually why I don't have a lot of third and fourth round rookie picks. I throw those into trades all the time to make people feel like they're getting something great, but really what they're getting is, uh, Alberto. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, they're not getting a world-class piece. Um, I don't have a lot of thirds and fourths on my, on my rookie teams. It's just, I don't see a lot of value in these picks outside of maybe you turn it into Terry McLaurin. Maybe you turn it into a guy that's falling in the draft. Um, you know, maybe you turn it into an Alberto and he becomes an amazing athlete. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not going to totally downplay it. I'm just saying that for me, I usually try to get rid of these thirds and fourths. Last guy I'm going to talk about, unless James, unless you have something to say about Albert O. I was going to add real quick. I, you know, I, I think at this point of the draft, with a lot of the names that you're mentioning, if I have this pick, I'm probably keeping it. I'm probably going to yeah. take a shot on Albert O because a lot of the names that you're talking about, unless, unless I want to throw something else into this pick, you know, with this pick to move up to some of the tight ends you were talking about, like maybe an Eric Ebron or something. If I have to package something, then maybe that's what I do. But, uh, but if I'm looking at straight up, I, I look, the reason why athleticism is so important for tight ends is for fantasy. You know, I mean, th- there's a lot of tight ends that can come into the league that aren't great athletes that can make them, you know, turn it to an eight, 10 year career because they're great in line blockers. They're the kinds of guys that you want to have on the line that are going to block for the running game. But Alberto being an, an elite athlete just shows you that he can contribute for fantasy. He's going to, yeah. you know, he can contribute in the passing game. Even if they don't put him in line, they can put him out wide, you know, and, and utilize him. So uh, for fantasy purposes, I don't think it's a bad roll of the dice. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that again, the injuries are probably the thing that's hurting him the most. We'll see if he ends up going in the second round to a team that needs a tight end, his value is going to go up. He's going to end up going in the second round. Um, same thing with uh, some of these other tight ends, like a Cole Komet. Um, some of these, some of these, one of these tight ends is going to kind of get the draft capital behind them to push them up in rookie drafts. Right now, they're all kind of going in between the third and the fourth round. I mean, none of them really jump off the page like the last few years where you had like guys like Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, um, you know, OJ Howard, his year. David Ajoku, Evan Ingram, you know, these were tight ends that everyone was kind of like, okay, are these possibly late first round picks? We don't have any of those guys in this draft. Alberto is the only one I think that could potentially get that draft capital to be a guy that maybe, you know, if he's sitting there in the third round and you need a tight end, like not a bad pick to make because you're really shooting dart throws at this point. Um, and at least you're banking on, Hey, he is big and he is athletic. And those are things that teams will covet and will be willing to give him a long leash to maybe become a, you know, a, a hyper producer. And let's be honest, being a tight end one in fantasy isn't exactly the hardest threshold to hit right now. All right, Ethan. So you have one more guy that you wanted to discuss with us. Why don't you finish us off here? I do. I do. This is my last guy. Uh, and arguably probably my favorite sleeper in this draft i'll be honest uh, his name is joshua kelly he's a running back out of ucla uh current rookie draft adp you're seeing him go kind of right at the beginning of the third round between 301 and 308 um startup adp though way down uh looking at um the 19th round uh the 10th pick of the 19th round so um just to give you some reference uh we just talked about albert oh he was going uh one two three four picks after josh kelly so right around the same area um other players in this area running back wise you know you got matt Breida going two picks before him um earlier in this round you saw benny snell go so this is really um, a player that I think is being slept on a little bit, um, especially in these mock drafts early on, and especially in rookie drafts. Uh, Josh Kelly, you know, he is one of those these dudes that's just a really solid producer uh, all around. He isn't necessarily a flashy runner, but he gets the job done. He's got good speed. You know, he ran a four four nine, so you know that's respectable speed in the NFL. And he's showed some pass catching chops, you know, 38 catches over his last two years in college. Um, you know, I think he went over a thousand yards, both of those seasons on the ground um, to combine with that pass catching ability. So, I mean, again, just kind of like Keyshawn Vaughn earlier in the show, a dude that can kind of do a little bit of everything for you. Um, one thing that I really love about Josh Kelly is that he's already been through the grind of making a team and being becoming a producer immediately uh he did come through the juco level so he's a little bit older but he he basically walked onto ucla's campus and said you know what i'm the best running back here uh i don't care that i went to juco you guys are gonna have to play me and you're gonna have to give me the reins to this offense and that's exactly what they did so even though ucla is not necessarily been putting out amazing talents it's still a big time program and so the fact that he could walk in as a junior college guy and immediately take control of that role tells me a lot about his uh, mindset and mentality to approaching football and approaching what is probably going to be he's probably not going to have the draft capital that some of these other guys have but if he's going in the fourth round fifth round this is a guy that you know could very well uh be a one 
injury away from being a full-time starter in the NFL next season. Um, to me, he's a rich man's Raquel Armstead. Uh, again, uh, Armstead went to Temple, not necessarily a, a team that even has as much prestige as a UCLA, but grinded it out, played four years, um, could catch, could catch, could also run, had decent speed. Um, Armstead is sitting behind Leonard Fournette. If Leonard Fournette were to get hurt, Armstead would become an immediate value for your fantasy team. I think that Josh Kelly is going to find himself in a very similar role. Um, to me, he's all, uh, uh, you know, poor man comp. To me, he's a poor man, Sony Michelle. I'll be honest, right this minute, you'd be hard pressed to, to, to sell me on Sony Michelle over Josh Kelly if Josh oh, Kelly, wow. if Josh Kelly ends up in a place where he could be. Uh, be a legitimate starter if he if he ends up in Seattle with some of, some of the running back questions that they have. I could definitely make a case for Josh Kelly um, at or just below Sony Michelle. Um, again, Michelle has the draft capital, so if Kelly can get something close to that draft capital and get an opportunity, I think he's going to run with it, and I think he's going to be a guy. Um, like a Chris Carson, maybe before him, that just grinds his way into being a full-time starter and producing at, at a very high clip. Um, you know, if you're someone that doesn't necessarily have a ton of capital to be able to get one of those elite running backs in this class, you know, maybe you don't even have an early second. Maybe you have like a middle to late second. If Josh Kelly is going in the fourth round and he's going to a team that maybe he's only one stop away, he's a dude that I want to kind of have on my bench in Dynasty. And so I know that's high praise, and I, I might get burnt for this, and who knows, if he goes in the seventh round, then we're having a different conversation. But from what I've read, from what I've heard from uh, people that are covering the NFL a lot closer than what I can get, NFL teams are, are starting to dig this guy, and you're going to maybe see him go much earlier than you expected, possibly even day two. Um, he's not sneaking in the first round. We're not talking that kind of buzz. But, you know, if he goes the, in the third round, you know, end of the third round, then you're then we have to have a real conversation about, you know, who is this guy and what, what are we willing to pay rookie draft-wise? I really think middle of the second is probably where he's going to end up being taken. Um, and so – I would be trying to acquire maybe a pick there, you know, a pick from like 206 to 210. Um, and if he's sitting there at the beginning of the third, he's a dude that I'm willing to package some picks up to move up ahead of people to grab this dude just because running back is so important and he has a profile that does fit. Um, we've seen become successful in the NFL, even if he doesn't necessarily have as big of a name value as some of these other running backs in this class. Okay, interesting. So, um, Ethan, let me ask you a question then. Uh, who are some guys that you think you could move this pick for? If, let's say, you're not sold on Josh Kelly, or, or maybe maybe Joshua Kelly goes a pick before you, and you're going, oh, man, you're left holding the bucket here. W with this pick, what would you kind of look to do if you had to move this pick? Yeah, so uh, in the, the startup, the 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 mock draft with all the players he went at 311 so into the third round again i personally expect him to be at the end of the second round or even the middle of the second round after the nfl draft um we're starting to hear some buzz on him so people are starting to pick up a little bit of what's happening here um as far as a player um you know i'm not seeing a running back necessarily that i love 
a guy like maybe Tevin Coleman might be – see, that's the thing is as I go through these running backs, I'm not seeing a ton that I love. Um, Rashad Penny, if I could get Rashad Penny, um, that would be – you know he's going quite a few rounds earlier, but kind of going – Rashad Penny went right before the 301. Uh, so if, if, I, if what happens, if what I think is going to happen with Josh Kelly ends up happening – then you're looking at guys like uh, Rashad Penny. You're looking at guys like, um, uh, let me see here. You know, uh, Anthony Miller might be someone that I would maybe be willing to move off of. You know, I'll be honest, man. Though I, this is a dude that I'm trying to get a hold of. Um, I'm not seeing a lot of players one for one that I'm like, yep, get rid of him. Um, I really don't. I'll be honest. I really don't. I think the best best one would be Rashad Penny because I think at least then you know he's had the draft capital and you know what kind of prospect he is. He's His value is depressed because he was injured. Um, but besides that, I'm not seeing a lot of dudes that I'm like willingly giving up Josh Kelly for. That's how much I believe uh-huh. in this dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to shy away from, from actually using the player, but if I had this pick, I, I would deal for Matt Barreto in a heartbeat. Um, I'm very high on Matt Barreta. I just think he's he's the most talented back in that backfield. That's just my my takeaway from it. Um, every time he gets opportunity, he seems to shine. So that's a guy who I'd be willing to roll the dice on. However, um, I, I understand, you know, if you're if you're high on Joshua Kelly, man, that's that's your guy. That's that's what you do. You take him, especially in that area. There's not a lot there that um, that makes you go, yeah, I would deal a pick for sure. Uh, for one of these guys. So yeah, kudos to you, Ethan. Yeah, I think, I mean, and this is more strategy in general, but I think when you're getting into guys that are going at the late second, early third, you got to be a little bit aggressive in your rookie drafts. You know, if you're sitting with a 303 and two fourths right now, and you you see a dude that you like what I believe Josh Kelly could be, you know, maybe that is Devin Duvernay for you. Maybe that is Brandon Ayuk for you, Michael Pittman, um, whoever it is, that rookie that you're like, man, I know maybe it's LaVisca Chenault. I mean, he went at the 210 uh, or Brian Edwards is a guy that a lot of people like. If you have a rookie that you love that's falling into this into the second round and you have, a, you know, he's probably not making it all the way to you. I'm getting real aggressive with my picks. Um, like I said, I don't have a lot of thirds and fourths in rookie drafts. That's because I tend to be the guy that goes, okay, I'm going to give you my third this year and a third next year to move up five spots so that I can take this dude who I truly believe in that I really want to leave this draft with. Um, last year, one of those dudes was Drew Locke for me. Uh, Drew Locke was sliding. I think he went in at, at like 208 or 210. And I said, uh, what do you need? What do I need to do to make this happen? You know, is it a, if I, if I trade a, th- you know, 303 and 310 to move up to 210 to take a guy like Drew Locke, I am not afraid to do that. Because to me, I'd rather leave knowing that I do got the dude that I wanted than sitting there with two dudes in the third that I just let fall to me. You know, you really do have to be aggressive with these because guess what? The dude, the guy sitting at 210 is probably going, man, you know, this is, I'm having a good time. This is fun. You know, I like making picks. I don't really, you know, if they, if they don't like anybody that's sitting there, they're probably willing to move just so that they can have more picks in the draft. Um, which is why one, you should be listening to the show so that you can be on top of some of these dudes that you should be actively trying to get. 
Um, and two, you should be the one that is an initiating trades, especially in your rookie draft. Go get your dudes, especially in the rookie draft. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I totally agree with you, Ethan. It's definitely that that that's that's one of the things. Make sure that you identify your guys and uh, and you know pay pay what you have to pay to make sure you get them, so that way you leave happy. Uh, I think I think that's a key. So, really good advice there. And we're gonna wrap it up now, uh, Ethan. Um, special thanks to Heart and Soul Radio for the use of their song, The Addiction, and special thanks to Dynasty Week Football, uh, the entire family at uh, Dynasty Week Football, and the DLF family of podcasts, and their entire staff for the, uh, their ongoing support. Make sure to follow and send us questions and trades uh, to our podcast handle on Twitter at Superflex Show. You can find Ethan at EturnerFF underscore PT, and you can find myself at underscore James the Brain. And above all else, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah,